The show notes for this episode can be found at biggerpockets.com slash money show 265-5. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, homeowners insurance fire bonus episode, where we talk to Steve Longnecker from Mountain Insurance Longmont about your homeowners insurance policy. I promise it's not as boring as it sounds. It's a bit challenging for some of these folks because they're trying to figure out, well, where am I going to live for this period of time? How much is it going to cost me? And how long will that, uh, you know, loss of use coverage, you know, be able to retain me? You know, if I can, if I need to spend a couple thousand bucks a month, you know, just to live in a VRBO or somewhere that I find, um, you know, and, and if I have a year's worth of coverage, well, what happens next? Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and I am here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else to introduce you to every money story because I truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business, I will help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. Today's guest is a longtime friend of mine, Steve Longnecker, an insurance broker from Mountain Insurance Longmont. On December 30th, 2021, fires ripped through almost a thousand homes in a city in cities a few miles south of where Steve and I both live. An article in the local newspaper brought up the possibility that in addition to losing their homes, some of these homeowners may not have had adequate insurance coverage due to the recent double-digit percentage value increases our local market has seen. Talk about a double whammy. So I brought Steve in today to answer a bunch of questions about homeowners insurance. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Steve Longnecker, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thanks, Mindy. It's great to be here. Appreciate that. I'm so excited that I know an insurance broker so I can ask all these questions because this is really timely for not only people who live locally where we are, but in markets all across the country, housing prices have gone up. I'm seeing 10 and 20 and much more than that percentage increases, and you could be underinsured. So what happens? If I've had a homeowner's policy for a couple of years and my house burns down in a fire like this, 
with the price appreciation we've seen, someone who insured their house for replacement value a few years ago, maybe even a year ago, might not have enough coverage. So let's use round numbers for the ease of math. Let's say I bought a house for $500,000 and insured it for $500,000, but now it's worth seven fifty. dollars Ignoring land value for just a moment, what happens to that delta of two fifty? Will the insurance company only pay out five hundred thousand, and now I'm scrambling for that extra two fifty? I mean, that makes sense, but that also really stinks for somebody who is in this situation. So, uh, what can people do to protect themselves themselves from this situation in the future? Because housing doesn't look like it's going to be easing up anytime soon. I just threw like seventeen questions at you right there. Yeah, yeah no problem, Mindy. <laughs> um, so, very good questions, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to approach the uh, coverage questions that you're asking. Um, to begin with, as you mentioned, when anybody uh, puts a policy in place with an insurance company, uh, the first thing that happens is that the um, uh, the replacement cost is calculated, typically by the agent, uh, may, may also be double-checked by the, the carrier itself or their systems uh, in the process. And so at that time, the home should be insured, you know, around the replacement cost. And that cost, um, you mentioned a lot about market changes, but that cost is really technically derived from what it would take to replace it, you know, from a construction standpoint. Now, you know, beyond the, the increase in um, home values, you know, we're still in the middle of a, a pandemic here. And with the, um, uh, you know, with the, the, uh, um, uh, the lack of uh, supplies for things like lumber and drywall and other things, that's also driving up the cost of construction right now, as well as lack of labor. So there are other things at play here, you know, even beyond just the uh, just the local market issues. But but that replacement cost is derived, uh, at least to some degree, by, you know, some of the things I'm mentioning here, along with, you know, where it's located, the size and so forth. And so to start with, when that um, home is initially insured, it should be pretty close. But over time, as you mentioned, because of all these changes, you may end up in a, in a place where your, you know, your home would cost a lot more than it did a few years ago if it, if it hasn't been looked at. Um, insurance companies are pretty good at looking at those, um, those changes. So they, they will notify and sometimes even automatically increase the uh, the coverage levels for you. Um, I can't say that all insurance companies do that, but that is a fairly standard practice, especially as as things are changing, you know, rapidly over the last few years. The other thing that many companies have, I, I can't say all policies or all all carriers do this, but uh, quite a few of them have what they call extended replacement cost, which is built into the policy. And that could be anything from 10 or maybe 25% over the actual um, coverage limit that you see in your declaration pages. Um, it could even be higher than that. It could be 100% now uh, some of the companies are offering. And many companies even offer what's called full replacement, which means, which really means it doesn't, doesn't really matter what it says in the deck pages. If your house burnt down tomorrow, they're going to calculate, it, you know, along with your input, of course, but they're going to basically calculate what it would cost to replace that home and, and they're going to cover it to, to the full extent, minus, minus deductible, that kind of thing. Um, but so there's a lot of sort of safety nets, if you will, that uh, that those policies can have in them. That doesn't mean they all do. So you really need to check with your agent or check with your your policy if you can, uh, you know, get through that and read through that documentation. But one way or the other, um, you should be able to uh, you, you should be able to look to see what sort of uh, safety nets are available there. Okay, and is it it's called extended replacement cost? Yes, normally, or right. Full and, replacement cost. And would that would that language be written into the policy? I don't know if you know this or not, but those policies aren't so easy to read. Yeah, it, it will be somewhere, <laughs> and then that's a little bit tricky too, um, because you'll see the main coverage limits on your policy. You know, the dwelling, which is the building, uh, personal property, which is the contents and some of the other items, but you may not see that extended replacement cost listed right there. It could be a couple pages later. It could be 25 pages later. So yeah, if you're not an expert or, or interested in reading through all of that, um, then it's it's best to talk to your, uh, your insurance agent probably. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that is something that I'm going to recommend everybody listening right now 
call up their insurance agent, or if you really enjoy reading that documentation, plow through there and see if you have that coverage. Um, Can you request the 100% or the like 10 to 25%? I mean, in the height of the pandemic, some of these like wood was going, the cost of wood was going through the roof. And some of these new build houses were calling up their previously under contract customers and saying, hey, it's going to cost an additional $30,000 to get that house built. And if you're not willing to pay that, I'll just refund your money because I've got a line of people who are willing to pay that. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of handled in different ways. Um, I would say that typically if you're with an insurance company that has some of those op- options available, you know, if you have a good agent, they're probably they probably already have that in the policy. I would say at least the 25 percent. Um, if you're with a company that, you know, maybe uh, maybe doesn't even offer that or doesn't doesn't push it or something like that, it, it may or may not be available. And then you may need to switch carriers or something like that. Um, or, you know, the other alternative is re- rerun the replacement cost estimate, even if nobody nobody has uh, done that. Um, you can do it proactively. Just ask your agent or your carrier to do it. And then, um, you know, then they could bump it up. But of course, that that only helps you kind of now and in the near term, because there again, a couple years out, if there's no real added protection beyond that, then that's where you're at. And if prices change again, you forget about it, your agent forgets about it, you're kind of back, you know, to where you are, uh, you know, behind the behind the curve again. Yeah. Okay. So this kind of covers my second question, which is if I'm not in a situation where my house just burned down. How do I uh, right now insure my home? Um, so let's see, is it possible to be overinsured? And if so, what happens during a claim? Like if I insure my house for $750, but it's only worth $500, they're not going to just write me a check for $250, right? No, they're, they're not. The intent of insurance, <laughs> pretty, pretty much all insurance policies, the intent is to not be better off than where you were you know, before your loss. Um, and that may be, uh, you mentioned before we started the show about a friend of yours that was trying to increase their limit in, in a mountain home. And I don't know, they, the insurance company wouldn't allow it for whatever reason. Um, maybe they just didn't think that the, you know, it was worth that much or something to that effect. So, um, you know, there are other ways to get around that a little bit. Um, you know, that replacement cost estimate that I mentioned, you know, your agent, at least in our case, our, our agents have the ability to run those um, reports and they can be tweaked a little bit. Sometimes um, you can change the quality level within that report and that could make a substantial difference. So if if somebody's feeling like their home is underinsured, um, you know, that quality could be bumped up and and they could you know convince the insurance company at least to some degree that they should have higher uh, they 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 should have higher coverage limits um but most insurance companies aren't going to go beyond a, a report like that you know much beyond a few percent or maybe 10% or something along those lines cuz they don't want to get into that situation that you mentioned where you're you're overinsuring and then maybe even potentially making money on it um, that's not likely going to happen anyway, because the way claims are handled is that whenever you have a, a loss of any sort, whether it's a full loss or maybe just a, a new roof or something like that, um, they are really only obligated to pay out what's called the actual cash value or the depreciated amount of the uh, of the coverage. So that's you know usually going to be. 60 to 80 percent of the full um, claim value or or the full home if it's if it's a full loss and then once the work is done and you can show receipts or your contractor does um, then they will pay up you know to that amount assuming it again it doesn't go over the coverage limit or the coverage limit with the extended uh, endorsement on top of it so, you know, you might think that you're going to get away with, uh, you know, making some money or something by by over-insuring. But at the end of the day, there, there's too many, uh, too many checkpoints for that to even happen. Okay. That is good to know because I certainly don't want to pay for more insurance than I have to. Um, let's see. You sent out a letter to all of your clients recently that was super, super helpful. One of the things in the letter mentions a binding restriction and says you can't write any new policies right now or make any changes to policies 
within a certain location. Can you explain what this binding restriction is? Because I've never heard of this before. And does this include people who may be buying a new house? What if I just bought a house, you know, three blocks away from where everything burned down? Can I get a policy? Um, well, so those binding restrictions happen anytime there's a, a sort of a catastrophic event that occurs pretty much anywhere in the country. Um, but I would say here in Colorado, we we see binding restrictions, you know, probably about every quarter but for some reason or another. It might be because of a hailstorm or a threatening hailstorm. Um, many are fires. Um, and of course, last week, we, we definitely had some of those. Um, they're usually limited by zip code. Um, and every carrier doesn't necessarily restrict the same exact locations. But usually within 24 to 48 hours, almost all the companies have the same four or five zip codes or whatever it is on the list. And then normally after the event occurs fairly quickly within a day or two, um, you know, those binding restrictions would go away. And I haven't technically I haven't seen anything yet from last week, but I'm sure now with the snow and, and you know, the fires pretty much being gone that that you could go in now and, and ensure an, a home or something to that effect. Um, but they're, it, they're they're made, you know, to protect the, the companies, quite frankly, so that people don't uh, call, you know, call in and try to ensure their their burning building, unfortunately. But uh, but, you know, that's that's what they're there for. That makes sense. I mean, I, I you can't not have a homeowner's insurance policy, discover that your house burned down and then call up and say, oh, could I get this retroactive? Yes, exactly. Let me pay you one hundred dollars for this one month of coverage and then you're going to pay me seven hundred thousand dollars. That makes sense. Um, OK, so if I'm in an affected area, when can I revisit my policy? Is it you said 24 to 48 hours? Does it does it last for a really long time or is it just like we had a fire and the fire lasted because it was so we had those winds and uh, the fire lasted for probably like 24 hours. Is that when it's locked out or is it like, is it still under a binding restriction right now? Well, like I said, I, I haven't, of course, I don't follow every single email about these things. Um, <laughs> but uh, usually we get a whole bunch of emails, you know, restricting an area for a period of time. Um, when when the event's going on. And then normally within, like you just said, within a day or two, those are off. I would be really surprised that they're still having binding restrictions in those areas. Um, but this was also a pretty severe fire. Things could be a little different. Maybe the companies are just nervous and they just don't want anybody to possibly try to pull any wool over their eyes and 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 do anything that uh, you know is out of line. So I, I don't know. I think the answer is check with your insurance company and find out if they're still under restrictions. And you know they'll let you know. Yeah. As soon as I'm off the call with you, I am going to call up my insurance company and be like, "Hey, we need to revisit this because my house is worth a whole lot more than it is than it was when I bought it." Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's talk about some general tips and advice for how to handle your homeowner's insurance policies going forward with specific focus on insuring rentals because a lot of our audience are investors. Should you renew every, should you review your policy every year on its renewal date or like a specific calendar date, January 1st? Uh, This would have been really, really good for people to renew or review their policies on December 29th um, in our local area. Well, I mean, the renewal process is pretty automated these days. Almost all, um, you know, auto policies, rental policies, homeowners policies, they almost all automatically renew a year from the date that they were started originally. Those dates can be moved around for people if they, you know, need something more convenient at a certain time or they want it to renew on the first or something. It's a little bit of a pain, but it can be done. Um, but I would say, yeah, a good idea is, um, you know, probably a month out or so, we typically will remind our um, all of our insureds that they have an upcoming renewal. And if they have questions or want to change anything, um, you know, to get in touch with us. And a very small percentage of them do. Uh, everything else just automatically renews and, and continues forward, typically with with little change unless the insurance company has done a, you know, like I mentioned, a replacement cost estimate and 
has decided that they feel that it's underinsured, then then things could change in that regard. But I, I would say that's probably more rare. Uh, but, you know, an annual review a month before is always a good time. And some insurance agents, you know, if they have uh, uh, a lot of time, maybe outbound calling people. But I, I think that's probably more rare. I think everything tends to be more automated with reminders and emails and things like that. Okay. And I don't know if you're the right person to ask, but is the mortgage company, do they have any responsibility to keep up with how much the home is insured for based on, or or, or would they not because they only have the fixed mortgage amount out? Um, I would say probably not in most cases. Um, the one exception to that though is is on the front end when when we're initially analyzing the replacement costs and putting a policy in place, or at least quoting one, um, mortgage companies or um, lenders sometimes do come into play there because the um, uh, the coverage limit needs to be at least the amount of the loan to protect the lender. But um, with our previous discussion and talking about the you know, the increased costs of, of building and so forth, that becomes more rare these days that it would ever end up being lower than the than the loan amount. Um, so, uh, but that that would really be the only time when when the mortgage company is involved in the in sort of the evaluation process, if you will. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, let's talk about a claim. Let's go back to our thousand uh, homeowner nearby's that now have to start a claim for their property. Is how do you start a claim? Is there any negotiating with the insurance company, or do you just kind of get what you get? Um, can you appeal what they're offering if you feel that you are owed more? Um, and is it better to go alone, or can you hire somebody to help you through this? I mean, this is an insurance company that you're kind. It's not really an adversarial relationship, but it kind of is because you're now at odds with each other. Hey, I want this much. Well, it's only worth this much. Um, are there people that you can hire to kind of advocate for you? Um, and I don't know if you saw pictures of the the burned out locations, but there's a lot of cars that are sitting on driveways burned out. So is my burned out car an auto claim or a homeowner's claim? Wow. Yeah. A lot of questions, Mindy. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my, that's my MO. So um, interestingly enough, I, I sat through um, the first of probably many calls that the Division of Insurance held last night. Uh, they called it their town hall meeting, the first one. They're planning to do many others. Uh, Commissioner Conway did a great job of kind of going through a lot of that, at least at a high level, and talking through um, mostly with uh, homeowners who have lost their homes. I think there were 800 people on that Zoom call last night. And um, he uh, went through some of that. Um, their office is really set up. I don't know how well they're set up to handle 800 or 1,000 people. But their office, one of the, one of the big things their office does is deals with or helps uh, you know, homeowners to deal with these kinds of issues where there's some kind of disagreement that's going on and you know, trying to get uh, you know, claims handled uh, effectively. Um, I don't even think anybody's to that point yet. I mean, everyone's still trying to sort out what's going on, who's going to do the cleanup, how construction or reconstruction could possibly happen. You know, is it everybody for themselves or is there going to be more of a consolidated effort? Um, but, you know, some of the things that you're asking about related to claims, you know, first of all, you know, anyone who's had a loss needs to get out there and, and get their claims started in, in the commissioner, commissioner mentioned that many times. Um, and so that's really what needs to go, you know, needs to happen to get the whole process started. Um now, as far as is being you know underinsured or having those issues, yeah, that's possible because all of those safety nets that we mentioned before, people may not have. They may have been insured for thirty years and and have a kind of a plain Jane policy and with no extensions on it. And uh, you know, th there are unfortunately are going to be some people in that case where maybe nobody can help them. I, I don't know that for sure. Um, you know, certainly the division of insurance can get involved. Um, there's also something called a public adjuster, which um, uh, the division, I think, has some of their own, um, but you could also go and hire. So if you believe that maybe the insurance company's evaluation of 
you know, some kind of replacement cost is different from, you know, what's reality. You could you could hire them to, uh, you know, to kind of do their own analysis, which would be much more extensive than the kinds of reports that I, I was talking about earlier. Um, the other thing that the division mentioned a couple of times, too, is that FEMA is involved in this loss. So because this is considered, a, you know, essentially a, um, an emergency, um, uh, a state emergency, uh, FEMA has funds and has people and resources available as well. So if you were uninsured, that's probably another place you could go to talk to them about potentially, you know, helping you cover that gap. And FEMA is involved every time that it's declared a, what was this declared, a public emergency? Uh, State of emergency? What is the phrase? Yes. Yeah, the well, the FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Associate uh, Administration, or something like that. But yes, any time that you have a a big disaster, whether it's a flood or a fire, in this case, and you know the state basically declares a a, 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 a disaster area and and is looking for federal support, then that's when FEMA steps in. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. 
head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. Let's talk about people who had rental properties there. Is loss of rent automatic in a rental policy? Like as, as a landlord, is that automatically covered or do I have to ask for specific loss of rent coverage in an insurance policy, in the landlord insurance policy? Yeah, so both uh, renter policies, uh, or I should say landlord policies, um, a little different than renter policies, but a landlord policy or a homeowner's policy, both have um, that kind of coverage, could be called loss of use. Um, the more generic term is, uh, is, is ALE or allowable um, living expense. Um, that's more on the, on the homeowner side. But those kinds of costs related to the fact that the building is not usable or, you know, with a landlord policy is not rentable. Um, they do have a, a whole wide range of, of coverages that could be available there. Again, that was a, a big part of the discussion in last night's uh, town hall meeting that I was mentioning. Um, some of those policies restrict the amount of coverage based on a timeline, uh, some of them on a total amount, and some of them both. Um, and so that was another discussion because most people don't believe, and, and I'm sure they're right, that they're going to get their house rebuilt within a year. Um, and many of those policies do restrict it to a year. So it's it's a bit challenging for some of these folks because they're trying to figure out, well, where am I going to live for this period of time? How much is it going to cost me? And how long will that, uh, you know, loss of use coverage, you know, be able to retain me? You know, if I, can, if I need to spend a couple thousand bucks a month, you know, just to live in a VRBO or somewhere that I find, um, you know, and, and if I have a year's worth of coverage, well, what happens next? And the state, again, is going to try to get involved in that. They did. Um, uh, apparently, they did that previously up in um, when they had the uh, uh, fires up in Grand County. Um, I don't know when that was a year or two ago, I guess. And they they basically went to the insurance companies to say, hey, guys, you know, we're not really looking necessarily for more coverage. But how about a longer time period? Let's get rid of this this time limitation so people have more time to, you know, to get their lives sorted out. Um, so that's a discussion as well that I'm sure is going to happen again, um, exactly where it goes and, and so forth. It's, it's too early to tell, but hopefully they'll be able to help. Yeah. So in the case of a this specific event, does loss of rent coverage cover the entire amount of rent that you would have been getting for as well, I guess not as long as it takes to rebuild? Um, or we don't know yet, but does it cover the entire, like if I was renting this house out for $3,000 a month, am I going to get $3,000 a month until it's rebuilt or for the, the length of time? Well, I think that's the $64,000 question, um, especially related to what I was mentioning about potentially changing some of those restrictions, you know, through the state's the negotiation. But as I mentioned, too, every policy is different. Um, some are based on a, a certain amount. Some are based on time. Some are based on both. Um, on average, I would say most of the time what I've seen is kind of a default to that is it's typically, you know, somewhere in the order of about 10 percent. If it's if it's if it's a if you're just talking about the the dollar limit, it's about 10 percent of the dwelling amount. So if you had, say, a $400,000 house, um, you know, again, if you're kind of going with, with uh, typical, you might be looking at a $40,000, you know, limit for that kind of uh, thing, which, you know, that could last you a while if you didn't have to worry about the, um, the time uh, element. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if you've got to go two, three years without a house, $40,000 might not, may not get you there either. So uh, every every situation is different. And I think it's still a bit fluid right now. Yeah. Uh, what I'm hearing from you is that if you have a home, you need to talk to your insurance company and make sure that you are getting the proper coverage based on how you're using that house. And a landlord policy is really, really a great thing to have, but you have to have the proper coverage even through your landlord policy. And I know insurance is getting expensive. And part of the reason it's getting expensive is because there's these claims like mm -hmm. this. But 
you need to be covered. And can you imagine saying, "Ah, I don't need that coverage. And then all of a sudden your house burns down and you're like, oh, 50 bucks a month would have really been a better choice. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right, Mindy. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we've dealt with over the last few years is that with the insurance, uh, with the increase in rates, uh, you know, everybody's looking to save a dime, to be honest. And sometimes it almost really is a dime. And we uh, put a little plug in for our agency. We're really, really careful about uh, getting people the right coverages in all of these different areas you mentioned, and even some that we haven't talked about so that people have, you know, maybe not the Cadillac, but but certainly a, a very good, you know, policy in the event of, of especially major problems like this. Um, not everyone in this industry, unfortunately, works that way. People sell all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it looks like it's going to save them 100 bucks a month, 100 bucks a year or something like that. Well, then in the end, when there's a, a major claim, it could cost them, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, the other area that we really haven't talked about at all, which doesn't really come into play necessarily in this fire, and that is uh, roof coverage. And that has really gone in a lot of different directions in the last five to 10 years in that um, uh, carriers are, uh, you know, there's, there's some carriers out there who have still have very, very good coverage. Um, you know, rates are probably not as good. But at the end of the day, if another big hailstorm comes through and hits, you know, hits homes like it has in the last four or five years, you really want to pay a little bit extra to make sure that you're going to get replacement cost on your roof. Because there's so many carriers now that are not doing that. Um, actual cash value is, is the other route that many of them go. They don't necessarily call it that. They'll call it a sliding scale. But it's the same thing. So if you're if your roof's twenty years old and you're on a sliding scale, you're probably going to get you know eighty percent of the value of of what it would take to replace that. Unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, that eighty percent is still a lot more than I thought you were going to say because our roofs kind of get degraded with the sun. But yeah, that's still. I mean, a roof is fifteen thousand dollars to start. I was shocked the first time that I got a quote. I was like, what? I thought these were $5,000. Well, they used to be when I was doing them 10, 15 years ago, but now they're like, they start at twelve dollars and $15,000. So you need that coverage or you need to have money set aside to pay for it yourself. And the difference in policy cost can be really nominal. And of course, every policy is different. I can't ask you to quote on my house because you're going to need 17,000 different points of information in order to give me an accurate quote. But your policy, your coverage goes up to what you need. It doesn't exponentially raise your policy, your, your uh, premiums. Right. And you need the coverage unless you have the funds to be able to replace it. And I, oh, I just, my heart breaks for these people who probably didn't listen to my show and aren't financially independent and don't have, you know, the funds to cover this. And if they are very undercovered, this could be financial ruin for something that isn't even their fault. Okay, Steve, let's move on to a renter's policy. If you were renting in one of these homes and had renter's coverage, uh, what does a renter's policy typically cover? Well, a renter's policy is really, in a way, kind of like a slim-down um, homeowner's policy. There's also something called a condo unit owner's policy, um, which is uh, is essentially the same as a homeowner's. It's just you don't you don't insure the shell or the of the building. Really, it's just your own unit. Um, you know, things that you've put into your unit, uh, attached appliances, things like that. Renters is slimmed down yet again, where it doesn't have any of that. It just has the the contents and then liability. All these policies have personal liability on them. Um, so that actually brings up a good point. There was a lot of discussion in last night's meeting about personal property, because that's really the sticking point when it comes to these claims. Um, if your home is destroyed or mostly destroyed, figuring out the value of that is not rocket science. That's fairly easy to do with construction costs. Um, 
you know, figuring out the plan of how to get it replaced is, is different. And that, and there's certainly a lot of discussion there, but um, the contents is really where things get sticky. And uh, there again, insurance companies are all over the board when it comes to, you know, what, what do they want? What do they need? You know, historically um, the, 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 um, uh, the request has always been, hey, you know, give me a list of every single thing that you lost and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you the, you know, if you can kind of show us that you had it or, or at least give us a list somehow, um, we'll, we'll give you the, the money for it. Um, and companies are starting to make that a little bit easier. They're not necessarily requiring receipts for everything. You know, they're giving you spreadsheets, take as long as you want. But even that's hard and, and extremely emotional for people, right, to try to go through your home. If you think about it, if you've had a home for 20 or 30 years and you had all of your memorabilia and your photos and everything's just gone. And um, and now some insurance company is saying, well, I need a list of everything in order to in order to, to pay you for it. That's just really hard. It's hard in a lot of ways. Um so uh, that's another negotiating point, believe it or not, with the division of insurance. They're really pushing these companies to try to make it easier on people, try to get it to be streamlined as much as possible. Um, the one thing that was mentioned last night is that right off the bat, the insurance company by, by Colorado statute is required to give uh, homeowners, this does not apply to renters, but for homeowners, uh, it, it's they're required to, to provide... 30, at least 30% of the insured amount uh, for personal property right off the bat with no list or nothing. So that will get help people get back on the ground, you know, at least a little bit. They'll get that money um, and they'll be able to start, you know, purchasing things if they're living in an apartment or VRBO or something like that. Uh, at least it'll, you know, kind of get things going. But many of the companies do want, you know, as much documentation as you can you know, dream up or, or maybe if you have videos or pictures or something, um, you know, every time one of these things happens, um, I, 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 uh, I get this idea to go around and videotape my house and I think I've done it before, but I need to do it again. Uh, cause you just never know. And, and if you have that somewhere, uh, you know, hopefully off site, you know, and something bad happens and you could go back to that, to that recording and, and then go and start with that. Yeah. I'm trying to think I I don't have receipts for any of the stuff that's in my house. And even if I did, it would be in my house. If my house burned mm -hmm. to the ground, all of my receipts are there too. I think it's rather silly for them to ask for receipts. Um, let's talk about that 30% of the insured value just being sent to you right off the bat. So for ease of math, I have a home that I have insured for $100,000 they're going to send me a $30,000 check? No, that 30% is of the of the property limit. And the property limit, again, can vary a little bit, but typically it's about 65 or 70% of the dwelling amount. So again, you have to look at your declaration page of the policy to see that. But if you kind of do the math, you're looking at more like, you know, uh, 30% of 70%. So it, it's still a significant amount of money, um, but uh, I'm sure you're going to burn through it pretty quickly if you lost everything. Yeah, but that's going to be helpful to get. I mean, this fire was no notice at all. It wasn't smoldering for a while and then flared up. It was nothing. And then it was like it ripped through this neighborhood and it was all of a sudden, hey, I think I smell smoke. And you walk outside and you're like, holy crap, my neighbor's house is on fire, as are all the other houses and the winds are whipping up. I need to grab my kids, grab my pets, jump in the car and leave. And you couldn't grab even like, you know, your bag of things that you might like. I wouldn't think to go through and grab birth certificates in that situation. It was grab your keys and get out of the house. Right. And there's just nothing left for these people. It's just, oh. So they're going to get a check. They're going to be able, I mean, like, they don't have clothes. You have the clothes on your back and that's it. You need socks and underpants. You need coats. I mean, it was kind of warm that day. And then the next day we had seven inches of snow, which was, you know, bringing up new problems because all of the electricity and gas was turned off. I hope that the water was turned off. I don't know if you can turn it off like remotely, like you can do gas and electric, but 
Um, now we're talking about burst pipes. So your house didn't burn down, but now everything's ruined because the pipes burst. So there's like insurance. You need homeowner's insurance unless you're a trillionaire. And even then you need homeowner's insurance too. Uh, let's talk about processing a claim. I My house burned down. I am over the initial shock and now I need to start processing a claim. Do I call my insurance agent or my insurance company first? Well, that probably depends a little bit on the situation. I, I think most people probably call their agent. Um, you know, with us, typical cases, uh, many of our claims, we, we really just forward them on to the insurance company because there's so many, so much back and forth that goes on. You know, it's better that they just get in contact with them from day one and, you know, get their questions answered. So if we, if we just spend, uh, you know, for the middleman here, it's just so inefficient for everyone involved. Um, there's there's some exceptions to that. And certainly in this case, as we, we did have a few uh, folks in those fires, um, not many because we're way up here in Longmont. And, and, you know, that's 20 miles from here or something like that. And, uh, you know, luckily for us, uh, we didn't ha have a, a lot of uh, losses there. But the, the couple that we did have, um, we've been hand-holding them quite a bit just because of the because of the whole situation, um, but in most cases, you know, once people get the the claim started, they're going to they're going to be assigned an adjuster who's going to ask a million questions and give a lot of information about what they need to do next, and and uh, you know, collect their collect their contents list and and that kind of thing. Oh, my heart just goes out to all these people that lost everything, and it's not just one person. It's I mean, there's almost a thousand buildings. I think it was nine hundred and ninety one buildings that were destroyed and they had a list of the addresses. Nine of them were companies and the rest of them were all houses. And it's, I mean, most of these houses are just to the ground. There's nothing left except these weird, like charred cars on the driveway. And then these weird brick stacks that used to be like the entrance around the door and the trim around the bottom of the house. And even in some cases, not even that. Steve, is there anything else you want to tell people about homeowners insurance policies or, you know, processing a disastrous claim before I let you go? Um, well, a couple thoughts here. One is the, just in comment to what you were mentioning, um, there are a, a lot of other homes and probably businesses as well that were damaged in different ways. So, you know, safety is is number one there. Um, there could be a lot of different things that are existing there. There could be broken pipes or or, or about to break uh, pipes. There could be uh, you know damage related to smoke and so forth. So there was a lot of discussion again on that meeting last night about what are the next steps and you know just being very cautious in going back into those buildings. Um, you know, securing them, of course, at some point is important too. Um, but people just need to be really follow the the local laws and the local uh, regulations. There's there's a um, uh, kind of a disaster site that uh, is set up in uh, South um, I guess it's South Lafayette off a of public road where there are a whole bunch of people there from FEMA, um, people there from the state uh, insurance. There's uh, a, a, maybe a dozen insurance company trailers. It's just kind of a whole village, if you will, of support that people can get for all of these different areas, um, and and certainly getting advice um, as far as you know, if you have a, a property that it's still standing, you know, what to be doing next. Um, as far as homeowners insurance goes, I think we've we've covered it pretty well, but uh, you know just. Sort of the summary is that, um, you know, a lot of times people are not very excited about insurance. They don't like paying for it because they never use it. But, you know, having it there when it's available, you know, after an event like this and having good coverage is, is so important. And, you know, to uh, to skimp, to save a dollar here, a dollar there, you know, you may think that you're you're you know, you're saving some money over a long period of time. And, and you certainly are. But um, if it comes to a situation like this, you know, that savings could go out the door, you know, just immediately, unfortunately. 
Yeah. Well, Steve, I really appreciate your time today. It sounds like the situation isn't quite so dire as I initially thought, although you do need to check if you haven't renewed your policy in the last six months, I would call up your insurance agent and just double check that you are covered, that your policy does have that extended coverage, extended replacement coverage, and check in and see exactly what your insurance policy does cover because this could be like, you don't need it until you need it. And then you can't change it when you do need it. So Steve, I appreciate your time today. Where can people find out more about you? Well, um, our website is we insure co-business. That's Colorado business. We insure co-business.com where we're focused in the, in the business arena, but uh, we also do a lot of home and auto for um, quite frankly, for many of our um, business owners and for other people who are, you know, who need it in the area. Um, you can also reach us. Our main phone number is 303-808-9351. Okay, Steve, I really appreciate your time today. I learned a lot. I'm very glad I had this conversation with you. Uh, from the Homeowners Insurance Fire Bonus episode of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, I am Mindy Jensen saying stay safe and protected. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.